Welcome, you guys. Glad to see you all. My name is Chip Pryor, and I'm the Creative Arts Director here at Velocity Church, and I'm really excited to be speaking to you today, and I'm really extra excited to be speaking about one of my favorite movies of all time, Groundhog Day. And um, I chose this movie to speak about because um, not only is it one of the best movies of the 90s, but it's the perfect quarantine movie of all time, right? Uh, for you, does it feel like it's just kind of been the same day over and over and over? Have you ever lost track of the days in the last five months? That's why Groundhog Day is perfect for us to be talking about today. Uh, this movie is so iconic that when we say things like, it's Groundhog Day again, we're not actually talking about February 2nd, you know, the holiday. We're actually talking about this particular movie. And so this movie has just become uh, just kind of in the lexicon of our culture. Uh, raise your hand if you've seen Groundhog Day before. All right. Anyone more than once? Twice? Three times? Four times? Have lost track of how many times you've seen it? I saw this movie in the theater in the 90s, but I don't actually remember seeing it in the theater. I mean, I remember seeing it in the theater, but I don't really recall like, where it was at. And probably just because it was kind of a corny movie. It was kind of a, kind of a fun movie, but it didn't really like, like resonate with me that much. Um, I want to read to you the Internet Movie Database's description of the plot, okay? So here it is. A weatherman finds himself inexplicably living the same day over and over again. Right? I highlighted that word inexplicably because it's kind of a fun word to say, but also, if you've seen Groundhog Day, there's no explanation whatsoever why this happens. You know, no Clarence getting his wings. Uh, there's no boy that wishes upon a star or anything like that. It just happens for whatever reason. We're never told that, but we just kind of suspend uh, disbelief and try to just go on with who knows why it happens, but it happens nonetheless. Um, there's some, it's a real quotable movie, and so what I did is I gathered the three best quotes from there, so we're just going to kind of count down from, from three to one. So the first quote is, I am a god. I am not the god, I don't think. This is where Bill Murray gets to do all the fun stuff in life. He realizes there's something different about him, that he is able to be kind of immortal. Uh, the second one, it's the same thing every day. Clean up your room, stand up straight, pick up your feet, take it like a man, be nice to your sister. Don't mix beer and wine ever, and oh yeah, don't drive on the railroad tracks. And the number one quote, give yourself a drum roll here, all right? This is the best quote of all time. Ready? Phil! Phil! Hey, Phil! Yes, by our own Ned Ryerson, needle-nosed Ned, Ned the Head Ryerson. He's only in the movie about a minute or so total, but he just steals the movie, in my opinion. So this was released in 1993, and as I said earlier, I just kind of vaguely remember seeing this in the movie, and after going through it, I'm like, well, that's kind of campy, that's kind of cute, I like Bill Murray. But after this thing went to VHS tapes, it kind of took on a whole new life of its own. After it kind of got released to VHS and people started watching it over and over, this began to be taught in college philosophy classes. Uh, people would go in coffee shops and discuss the deeper meaning of Groundhog Day. And I don't think that was the original intent of that, but it just kind of happened as a result of that. Uh, Harold Ramis, the director and writer of this, said this, this movie spoke to people on a lot of levels. The spiritual community responded to this film in an unprecedented way. Hasidic Jews held up signs outside of theaters asking, are you living the same day over and over again? 
Then I started getting letters from the Zen Buddhist community, the yoga community, the Christian fundamentalist community, the psychoanalytic community, and everyone claiming that this was their philosophy and that I must be one of them for having made this movie. Now, one of the biggest unanswered questions of Groundhog Day was how long did Groundhog Day last? So if you just go by just the movie, it was probably like, like 30 days. Uh, on the DVD special features, Harold Ramis says it was probably about 10 years or so. So like 3,600 plus days of living the same day over and over and over again. Now the Buddhists who believe in reincarnation and say it takes a lot longer to reach enlightenment, they thought Groundhog Day lasted 10,000 years. So there's really no answer to this question. It's somewhere between 10 and 10,000 years. And it's kind of fun just to think about. But for whatever reason, it was a really, really, really long time. And so in preparation for this message, I watched Groundhog Day again. And I kind of, um, I took detailed notes. And what I did is I kind of tracked Phil, played by Bill Murray, I kind of tracked his, I'm just going to call it his spiritual evolution, because he kind of goes through some phases of his evolution that has a kind of spiritual component to it. So the first thing he goes through is shock, obviously. So the first day, or the second day, or whatever day it is, he is really going through some, some crisis. He's like, what is going on here? He's just trying to get his bearings. He's confused. Everything's disjointed. He thinks he's having the worst case of deja vu ever. And so for this phase, however long that lasts, he's just in total shock and disbelief. Sometime after that, he says, you know what? I'm going to do some thrills, some cheap thrills. He kind of figures out, okay, I'm not getting out of this anytime soon, so I'm just going to live life to the fullest. So he begins to eat like a total jerk. Uh, he takes up smoking, uh, drinking, one-night stands, robbing bank trucks, all the things under the sun. And sometime after that, he begins to get really bored. He's done all of it. He's done all of it, and it hasn't really given him that lasting satisfaction. So he wants to go deeper, and he finds this, this person, um, Rita, played by Andy McDowell, and he's like, okay, if I can just get her to like me so I can have a deep relationship with her. So he, the boredom sets in, and he tries to woo Rita, and he tries over and over and over to get it right. I think he's slapped at least 10 times in the movie, but probably 10,000 times, who knows? Little side note here is that when I watch this part of the movie, that is kind of a reminder to me that a lot of times I'll think, man, if I could just go back in time, I know I can, but if I could just go back, you know, some of the regrets that I have, if I could just do that thing over again, life would just be so different and so perfect. But this movie illustrates that you're not gonna get it right. If I could go back and correct that mistake, I would probably make a whole bunch of other mistakes too. And so it allows me just to think, you know what, yeah, I can probably just rest in my mistakes and know that God's gonna work out all that stuff that I did, and not to live in regret. Um, the next phase that Phil finds himself in is depression. And this is where this fun little campy movie gets really, really dark. Lots of suicide attempts. Uh, but then some, somewhere along the line, he comes out of that, and I'll just call this phase the investment phase. He realizes that, well, I'll tell you the first thing that happens. He gives a homeless man, an elderly homeless man, all of his money. And this is the first time in the movie that he's done anything unselfish. And after that, it just begins to kind of cascade. Uh, he kind of uses his Groundhog Day gift to invest in other people. And he, um, he gets addicted to, to giving and serving and loving. And the whole town of Puxatani, that's a hard word to say, Puxatani, the whole town is transformed by his investments. And the movie starts out where Phil is just a total jerk. He's miserable, 
and uh, he makes everyone around him miserable. And by the end of the movie, the whole town is transformed, and guess what? Phil is a completely transformed person. He is the one who's happy. He's the one who's fulfilled and contented. This could be our spiritual evolution as well. You know, if you think about those kind of first four phases, uh, we definitely go through some shock when we first enter the world. Think about it. You know, you're probably in a nice little womb, and then all of a sudden you're thrust out of a, a canal, you know, with lots of screaming and pain, and your head's probably getting smushed, and so it really hurts, and then all of a sudden people are yelling at you, and there's, it's cold, and there's fluorescent lights. I'm so glad that God doesn't have us remember our birth. I mean, this traumatic experience, right? I don't want to have anything to remember that by. And then we kind of seek out cheap thrills. This usually lasts from the age of one, probably all the way through college. You know, we try to find anything that we can, just whatever it might be, trying to find, you know, pleasure in life and things that will, will keep us happy and contented and fulfilled. And unfortunately, a lot of us get bored with that and a lot of us get depressed by all of that. And that might be from college age to death. And we sometimes get stuck in, that, um, in one of those first four uh, patterns. Now, as you look at this evolution, let me ask you this question. Where are you currently at in these stages? And maybe you look at the last five months, you're like, I'm on all of them. You know, it just depends on the day. <laughs> and maybe you feel like you're in all of them to some degree or another right now. And I think this is why Jesus' advice to us is so timely. Let me read that passage that Adria read again. Do not store it for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store it for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that word treasure, it's not something we use that often. I don't think most of us have a treasure chest full of gold and silver somewhere in our attic. But you know, our treasure is what Jesus is describing as our, our stuff, our things, our money, your, your savings, your, your 401k, your 4k TV, your, your stocks, your real estate, cars, boats, houses, spending cash, all of that. And Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So would you like to know where my treasure is? Um, it's really easy. Um, don't judge it by me standing on stage and playing guitar and singing worship songs, or don't judge it by me standing up here for a couple minutes talking about Groundhog Day and opening up the Bible, because that's not where my heart is. All you gotta do is go back there somewhere, pull out my laptop, open up my Quicken register, and you'll see where my heart is. And I would know where your heart is too if I looked at your checkbook register or your bank statements or your debit card transactions. Uh, where our heart is, it's where our treasure is. And Jesus said that's exactly where uh, you can predict where it will be. Now, there's nothing wrong with stuff. There's nothing wrong with all those things like 4K TVs and, and boats and golf club memberships and cars and all that stuff. Nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. But here's where that stuff can get dangerous is that we place our trust in those things. We place our security in that. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he talks about our treasure. It's like, you know, our treasure is in those earthly things that just don't provide happiness and fulfillment. And when we begin to place our trust and our security in that, and that's when it can become um, detrimental to us. I was thinking about just money, and I was thinking, well, how much money do you need to be happy? And so I consulted some online financial experts, you know, just typed it in the Google machine and uh, came back with all sorts of, I mean, everyone has a different opinion about this, but this, this is a figure that I saw numerous times. And so there have been some pretty smart financial people who have come up with this figure. So you ready? 
This is what you need to be secure and happy in this world. Five million dollars after taxes. Five million dollars after taxes. Apparently, that will give you enough uh, money to have, you know, a little spending spree every now and then. You can support your family. You can send your kids off to nice colleges. You can live off a lot of the interest. And so that's, that's, that's the figure, I think, that we need to be happy and secure and where we can feel like we can just trust the process. Now, my, I've got two questions for these financial people who said that. Uh, the first one would be, should I be asking God for this? Like, should this be part of my, my daily prayer routine for $5 million? God, please give me $5 million. And we should all be praying to have $5 million. The second question, will $5 million be enough to keep me from things like getting exposed to a virus? Will it keep me from getting a disease? Will it keep me from um, having my spouse hate me? Uh, my kids from resenting me? Will five million be enough to keep my friends from rejecting me? Will it keep me from accidents? Eventually, will it keep me from dying? You know the answer to all those questions. Of course not. And Jesus is in essence saying to all of us, whether you want five million dollars, whether you're five million dollars short of five million dollars, He's saying, don't waste. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy on all that temporary stuff. And if you think about it, we waste our lives on a lot of things. It's not always just the bad stuff, like eating like a jerk and smoking and drinking and robbing bank trucks and things like that. It's it's kind of the less obvious stuff, the thing that's kind of neutral. You think about all the things that we waste our, our time on, like uh, maybe it's watching sports or playing video games or uh, social media. That's a rough one. Um, Personal grooming. A lot of you ladies spend way too much time personal grooming. (laughs) Way too much time. Although this pandemic has probably helped that a little bit, right? Everyone living in their pajamas and just getting on Zoom calls. You don't have to get made up as much. Uh, Exercise. Some of you people like exercise like two hours a day. That's like way too much. Way too much for your body. Way too much. That's. Some of you actually probably do need to up your personal grooming and exercise, but that's (laughs) for another message right now. But you think about all the other things. When I was growing up, there were 67 TV programs. 67 TV programs. I did not say channels, you young bucks. There were 67 total programs. And now you think about all the TV and the movies and the Netflix, the Hulu, the Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. What else am I forgetting? Apple TV, HBO Go, Peacock. I mean, it's just like, just so much stuff for us to waste our time, our money, and our energy on. And Jesus, again, is saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. But he doesn't just go negative. He skews positive. He says, stop storing up treasures in the wrong place, but store up for yourselves treasures in the right place. And let me ask you this. How many of you have gotten on an airplane in the last five months? Anyone? Oh, a couple of you. All right. How, how many of you have ever been on an airplane before? Okay, good. Raise your hand again if you're a, a window seat person like me. Are you like window seat people? Okay. Let's just say you're a window seat person and you get on a plane and as soon as the captain turns off the the no smoking sign and they get up and fasten your seatbelts, you whip out your carry-on bag and you're like, I'm going to make this trip extra special. So what you do is you put up some decorative curtains on the window (laughs) and you hang up some custom Venetian blinds on the little window, when you open them, close them, all that kind of stuff, put on some window tint. Then you start wallpapering the, the wall next to you. 
they put down the tray table and like, this is subpar, so you have a pre-cut granite countertop to put on this little tray table. And then you hang a chandelier and you put like, the, you know, you're ready for the little pack of peanuts that they give you or something like that. Someone would look at you and say, that, that's crazy, why would you be doing that? I mean, obviously the, the goal of a plane trip is not the plane trip itself, unless you're like a kid and like this first time like flying, right? <laughs> for most of us, it's like the thing that we dread, but it's to get to the destination. How often do we treat our temporary lives in a very similar fashion? Again, nothing wrong with Venetian blinds or granite countertops, but how often do we just misplace them? We put all of our trust and our security in this, just this temporary thing. The point is to go to a, a destination. Billy Graham put it like this. He says, I never saw a U-Haul behind a hearse. I always enjoy that quote. See, Jesus says, you have an account in heaven, a literal, actual account in heaven. And you're adding to that account by making deposits, continual deposits, when you give of your resources, when you reach out in love and service to other people. And God himself is managing that account, and he's keeping track and a record of every deposit that you make. Mark 9, 41, Jesus says, if anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Isn't that cool? You know, giving someone a cup of water that Jesus remembers that and promises that you're gonna be surely rewarded for that. And there are so many times that we give and serve other people that we just don't even think much about and forget. Well, God doesn't forget. God is making a record of that and he's making those deposits. So back to the airline analogy for a second. Let's say, okay, there's a new uh, travel restriction on airline travel, okay? And this, here's the new rules in our new normal. And the new rules is you can't take any luggage on your trip, you can't take any carry-ons, just the, the clothes on your back and that's it. We say that kind of stinks. But the airlines tell you this, what we'll do for you is that we will send whatever you like free of charge to your destination. And when you get there, it'll be ready for you. Free of charge, as much as you like. You're like, that's a pretty good deal. That's what God is kind of saying to us, is that we cannot store up for ourselves treasures on earth that those things will destroy, but you can store for yourselves treasures on heaven, in heaven, where, where moth and vermin don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. And if you think about your, your account in heaven, it's 100% guaranteed, it's 100% safe. It's not vulnerable to mandatory government shutdowns, economic downturns, no rioting, looters, global pandemics, whoever our next president is, the account is not changed because God is protecting it and God is managing it. Now the older I get, um, this is kind of a goal of mine, um, I'm trying to fall out of love, out of love with money and stuff. I'm trying to find more satisfaction in serving God. I've got a long ways to go in this. It's a continual growth thing for me. But I'm trying to get bored with stuff, continually more bored with things of this world and more addicted to, to helping people. I want to be a lot more thankful and known for being grateful than complaining about stuff that I don't have. Uh, there was kind of a significant event in my personal evolution uh, just about a year and a month ago uh, five of us guys from Velocity went down to Nicaragua and served about a week there among the, the poorest people in Nicaragua. And one day we went to a, the city dump, and the city dump is this large, large mountain of, of garbage. And 
the sight and the smells of it were completely disgusting, but the thing that really impacted me the most is that there were some people there who come there seven days a week for 10 hours a day to pick through the garbage, to kind of rummage through it. And this garbage has already been picked through twice at, at, at a minimum. And so they're just getting the scraps. And it amounts to about $20 a week. And so we just kind of watched these people just uh, taking, you know, whatever tool they had to kind of just thumb through all of the, the leaves and grass and, and to find something that would be of value. And then they would take it home. And, and that, that amounts to $2.85 a day. Just imagine your job, you had to work outside seven days a week, no days off, no vacation, 10 hours a day, and you get $2.85 to support your family. And my reaction to that was, you know, I didn't feel guilty for anything that I had or anything that I feel like I've, I've been um, lucky or blessed with. But at the same time, I'm like, how dare I? How dare I ever complain about anything? How dare I ever consider asking God for $5 million or anything because of all that he's, that he's given me to, to make my life um, comfortable. And, um, you know, I think that we all need to come to that kind of investment uh, phase in our life. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a continual growth area for me, and it probably is for you as well, too. But, but realizing I'm so much happier, and you are so much happier when you invest in other people, when you send those treasures in heaven on ahead of you, and you learn um, a way of, of giving and living that uh, not only benefits the world and makes God happy, but, but makes you happy and contented as well. So Jesus says, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then Jesus goes on later in Matthew 6. I'm not going to show this to you, but if you want to read a little bit more at the end of Matthew 6, he says, therefore, so he says, therefore, because I said all this, therefore, don't worry about this stuff. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about your clothes. Uh, God cares for birds. You never see birds going hungry. Um, he cares for grass. And he says, you're worth a lot more to God than, than grass or birds. And your heavenly father knows you need these things and he's gonna give you all these things. And so that's, that's something we don't ever have to worry about and that's very comforting to know. And so what I wanna give you, just as we kind of close, I'm gonna give you three steps Three steps. This is not an exhaustive list, but three steps to store up more treasures in heaven. I could have titled this three steps to worry less. Or I could have titled this three steps to be really, really happy and contented in life. But it's all about the storing up treasures in heaven. So the first one is practice thankfulness. Practice thankfulness. Um, I know a lot of people who make a thankfulness or a gratitude journal and just write out three things every day, every morning, things that they're thankful for. Uh, so start with one, start with two, three. I know people that do 10 or a lot more than that. Just write out all the things that they're grateful for. And I put this word intentionally in there, practice it, because I don't think this is our natural uh, go-to. This is not our default to be thankful people. And so we need to practice this. And as we become more um, adept at practicing thankfulness and gratefulness, it will remove uh, a complaining spirit. And by the way, being thankful is one of the ways, I think there's like three passages in the New Testament that talk about the, the will of God, and one of those is to be thankful in every circumstance. So when you are writing out your gratitude, thankfulness journal and writing the things that you're grateful for to God for, uh, you're in God's will. It says it right there in Scripture. All right, the second one is a non-fun one. You're going to love this one. Uh, a six-day social media distancing challenge. This starts tomorrow. 
August the 10th through Saturday, August the 15th. So I've been, uh, I have a Facebook group that I manage and I've been talking about this all week and so I'm challenging all of my Facebook friends and followers to do this just challenge. I mean, we all do challenges, right? There's like, remember the planking challenge back in the day and T-bowing and there's like push-up challenges. I mean, everyone's always doing challenges and the CDC recommends that we have six feet of distance between each other. So I'm gonna recommend we do a social distancing challenge of six days. Six days only. Can you go without social media for six days? No Twitter, no Facebook. I mean, some of this, for some of you don't need this at all. I need this. Last Sunday, I got a report on my screen time. Do you guys have that? Do you ever look at that? I never look at that because I'm like, I don't want to see that. But it said I was down 18% for the week. I'm like, yeah, Chip is doing good. And then it said that I was down 18% and that I had averaged um, three hours plus on social media for the week. That is gross. That is disgusting. And so I, I need to change that. And I, I'm not the only one. The more people I talk to, is like, this would be a really, really good thing to do. And sometimes we need to fast from things to appreciate the things that we have. So if we go six days collectively, think of all the hours we could spend doing other things. And so I'm going to spend three hours a day not on social media for the next six days. And I'm going to be doing a lot of other things. So I would love it if you all would, would join in this little challenge. And I think collectively we could do a lot of good. And I think that might, obviously, if we, if we spend less time doing things that are temporary and meaningful and we're not wasting our time and our money and our life in these things, that we'll have other opportunities to, to serve God. Which leads me to the last thing. Uh, write out the person I will reach out to in love and service today is, and write their name down. This is something I do every single morning. I write out this, this phrase. And it makes me be intentional about someone that God is putting on my heart to, to reach out to. And it doesn't usually involve anything big. It's not like I have to go give someone you know, a big bag of money or anything like that. Sometimes it's just a text. Sometimes it's holding my phone up and giving a quick little video message to someone. Sometimes it's just you know, saying hi to a neighbor. Um, but if you do this, it's like your, your radar, your spiritual radar could be like more sensitive to say, well, what is God doing through me and how can he use me today? You're almost kind of like giving God permission uh, to, to access your, your gifts this way. Give me an opportunity to serve this person, you know, and, um, and see if God doesn't give you a name. Uh, maybe someone will put God on your heart. Uh, maybe, maybe you have a broken relationship in your life. You know, maybe there's that person that you haven't talked to in a long time and there needs to be some, some forgiveness extended uh, some forgiveness received, and maybe you can be um, a big man or a big woman to be able to say, hey, I'm going to put my, my pride down and I'm going to reach out to that person in love and service. Uh, make a step towards healing and reconciliation. I don't want to tell you this because if you don't know this, this might ruin Groundhog Day for you. <laughs> uh, I was happier not knowing this, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Uh, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, the, the director and writer of this uh, they were best friends for years and years, and they worked on a lot of movies together. Uh, they starred in Stripes together. Uh, these were two of the Ghostbusters, and that picture, they were also in Groundhog Day together. Uh, they worked on Caddyshack together, so all these like, iconic films that I just love. And apparently the filming of Groundhog Day was so intense and it was so challenging it was so rigorous you could think about you know normal movies where you have to do the same scene over and over and over well they had to do it over and over and over and over and over to to get it to kind of match up like it was a repeating thing and so tensions were high 
lots of yelling, lots of flare-ups, and it got so bad one day that apparently punches were thrown between these two guys. And Harold Ramis, who was a pacifist, who was always so calm and even-keeled, uh, apparently he grabbed uh, Bill Murray by the throat and threw him up against the wall at one point. And after the filming wrapped up, they didn't talk to each other for, for 20 years. And it was only on Ramis's deathbed where he couldn't speak anymore um, that Bill Murray, in classic Bill Murray form, brought a box of donuts and a police escort <laughs> and went to go visit Harold Ramis on his deathbed and got to visit him and forgive him and, and ask forgiveness at the way they behaved. And I thought that was really, that was kind of a cool story. It has a happy ending, but man, 20 years, 20 years of two guys who are just full of themselves and full of pride. If they would have just read Jesus' words, maybe, to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and know that the most important treasure you could, in heaven you could probably ever uh, send on ahead of you would be to, to reconcile with someone, to, to extend love and service to someone else. And, and that's probably perhaps the greatest heavenly treasure you could store for yourself is to, to, um, to reconcile with someone and to heal with someone. And that leads us to what we, we do every single week at Velocity. We, we take communion, and it's, it's a picture of the reconciliation that we didn't deserve, but we needed so desperately. And Jesus extended that to us through his cross and, and went to a cross and initiated that, initiated uh, we were far from God and there was no hope for us, and he initiated um, healing and reconciliation on our behalf by going to a cross, forgiving us all of our sins, uh, rising from the dead days later so that same life that rose him from the dead can come inside of us and raise us from our condition of spiritual death. And so if you're here in this room, oh, we have some communion tables set up and uh, for the next minutes, um, or the next, next few moments, so we'd love for you just to, to get up there. And uh, we have kind of a different method now. I don't know if you noticed this last week or if you're new this week, but uh, we have like the, uh, the bread kind of on the bottom of the cup, and so you can just kind of separate the two cups and, and take communion when you're ready. There will also be some questions to, to reflect on and ponder and pray through as we take communion together. So let me pray for us. God, first of all, we thank you for uh, the gift of this life that you've given us. And God, we are just so sorry for just the, the amount of time that we've uh, invested in ourselves, in things that are, are temporary. Uh, we're, we're sorry for wasting so much time and money and energy on things that uh, have no true lasting value. And so God, teach us, teach us to Send our treasure on ahead. Show us how to do that. Give us opportunities to do that. Show us the people that we need to reach out to in love and service. And we pray for the, the broken relationships in our life, God. We pray that you would use us as a first step in, in healing those things. And God, we thank you. We thank you for healing us and for healing our relationship with the Father. Thank you for going to the cross and forgiving us all of our sins, for wiping that debt out uh, between you and, and in us. And God, we, we just thank you again for your, your love, your care for us, and uh, continue to, to teach us as we walk uh, in the newness of our relationship with you. And we ask this thing in Jesus' name. Amen.